where we, a real-life mother and daughter duo, rewatch Gilmore Girls and discuss the misadventures of fictional mother and daughter duo Lorelai and Rory Gilmore. I am Tessa Dare, a writer and the author of the paranormal mystery series The Karans and Chronicles and Beth's Daughter. And I'm Beth, Tessa's mom. I am also a writer. Um, we came up with this idea because we used to watch the Gilmore Girls together pretty religiously when Tess was about Rory's age, and I was a little bit older than Lorelai, but in the same kind of life situation. Um, Tess's friends used to compare us to the Gilmore Girls because I was a single mom, and Tess went to a private prep school that we could not afford. So we have always had, uh, in addition to that, we've always had long analytical conversations about movies and TV and music, politics and culture. And when Tess moved to Seattle, we continued those talks over the phone. And sometimes they were pretty long. So one day it occurred to us that we should move these discussions over to the digital world, maybe even into a podcast. And the Gilmore Girls felt like a good place to start. So here we are. Yeah. And we also, at one point... Uh, mentioned that we were going to talk about how much coffee we've been drinking that day. I am actually, um, I am actually on my first cup of coffee. Technically, slow and coffee day for me. It's a slow one for you, and I've already had like three or four. I've had way too much. In fact, you may have to slow me down. So, <laughs> well, let's get into it. This episode is called Rory's Birthday Parties. Yeah. So, and each week we start off with the uh, introduction of the episode and a synopsis. Uh, and the date before we head into the discussion. This is uh, Season 1, Episode 6, Roy's Birthday Parties, as Sarah mentioned, and it would originally aired November 9th, 2000. First scene, dinner. Uh, so uh, an overview of the episode is uh, that it's Rory's 16th birthday. Um, and no, it's her 17th birthday. She's oh, is it her 17th? Well, okay. this is one of the questions in the episode. They yeah. never really say, but we were under the impression birthday. at the beginning of the show that she was 16. So this is okay. one of the questions of the episode. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I did have a question as I was watching, and I was like, I don't think they're saying how old she's turning. Yep. Um, but it's her it's her birthday, uh, and her birthday is falling on a Friday, which is the night that they have dinner with the grandparents. Mm-hmm. So Lorelai tries to get it changed. Emily won't budge, and Rory instead ends up with two birthday parties. Because of that, it's the rare episode that covers the town, the grandparents, Chilton, uh, and even Dean all at once. Yes, so, good point. Uh, so on to the first scene. It's a week before the birthday, and it's a dinner at the grandparents' house where Emily announces that their lawyer is coming over the next day to help them figure out their will, and she wants Rory to go around the house and put post-it notes on whatever she wants so that they can, I guess, itemize literally every item in their house and say where it's going to go when they die. <laughs> And so uh, sometimes we, we do, we come up with, I don't know about you, but I come up with alternate uh, titles for the episode. Yes. And this one is, for me, Put a Post-it on it. That's my alternate post-it. title. So, uh, but go ahead. 
I like that alternate title. Um, I don't. I didn't really mark down an alternate title for this one. Maybe I'll decide as we're going. But I like put a post-it on it. Kind of the other big thing that happens in this scene is um, the new kitchen staff person brings yeah. out dessert, and dessert is pudding, which uh, Rory and Lorelai are both kind of over the moon about because it's a thing that they like that the grandparents don't seem to get. So this is a sign that Emily is trying to get them a little bit more by bringing out pudding. So here's my question about this scene. Emily keeps acting like she doesn't know what they're talking about. So yeah. do you think she's... Okay, so back up. Let me back up and say that they are surprised because it's something that Emily doesn't consider a real food, I guess, or a real <laughs> dessert, but she made it for them anyway. They feel like this is Emily's concession to their lifestyle and to what they like. Seeing them as people, which mm-hmm. Lorelai often, and it's a running theme, feels like her mother doesn't see her, doesn't yeah. know her daughter. And actually that comes up later in the, in the episode, too. It is kind of the theme for this episode, do you know your daughter kind of thing. Yeah. So, but when, but Emily, you notice, doesn't have pudding. It's just the, uh, uh, Rory and, and Lorelai and Richard, they all eat the yes. pudding. They all think it's very good. Even Richard says it's really good. It's in crystal bowls, so it's very fancy yeah. pudding. But... I, I cannot grok from this scene if Emily really understands that she's made this concession or if she's being, if she's feigning that she doesn't understand. What yeah, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that it does come up in a later scene. And I feel like in the later scene, Lorelai doesn't explain what she means. And we'll, we'll get to it in a little bit, but when they're shopping... Lorelai brings up the pudding, but she doesn't explain why the pudding is important. So, but they made such a big deal out of it in in the the dinner scene that I'm su- surprised that uh, that at least Emily doesn't remember it. Um, but what Emily remembers, or what what's important to Emily in this scene, is that Rory likes the bowl, the crystal yes. bowl. So she says, "You like the bowl? Put a post-it on it. Put a post-it on it when you're done." Which I loved that. That was a great mm-hmm. little moment between the two of them. I also thought that something that is happening in this scene is Rory is kind of into the idea of putting the post-its on things and Lorelai is not. Lorelai thinks this whole claiming stuff things is ghoulish and but Rory I I don't think Rory is on the same page as Lorelai about it entirely because when grandma says put a post-it note on it Rory's got a big smile on her face. She wants that bowl. Yeah she loves the bowl and here's the thing <laughs> about that. Uh, Lorelai and Rory are often on the same page on a lot of things, but yes. Rory is way more often on the same page with her grandparents yes. than her mother is with, with uh, Richard and Emily. Her goal to go to Harvard, and I don't know that is she that she consciously realizes or recognizes that once she goes to Harvard, she is going to be a member of an elite Mm-hmm. And that her grandparents are, are members of this elite, and that her mother is not. So mm-hmm. I don't know if she consciously realizes it, but she is definitely comfortable with with mm-hmm. the whole elite thing, including yes. crystal bowls. For sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe uh, to relate that back to uh, whether or not Emily understands the concession of the pudding, I do think that uh, some of what is happening in this episode is unconscious desires. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, I think I think Rory does want to be a part of the elite. I just don't think that she conceptualizes it as that. And yeah. I think maybe Emily did want to do something that they would like, but I don't know that she consciously conceptualized yes. it as that. 
Yes, and and Rory's not being conscious about it. I think she just there are elements, components of uh, the elite lifestyle that appeal to her. Maybe on a I don't know artistic or what's the word I want uh, aesthetic. That's exactly the word I was looking for. The, on an aesthetic level, mm-hmm. you know, this is stuff that she has not been around. Her mother grew up with this, and her mother rejected it. But she has not been around this. A lifestyle that puts yeah. value on the beauty of things for just yes. for the sake of beauty. And these crystal bowls are beautiful. So mm-hmm. she that appeals to her. And she and so I don't know if it's just because she's not been exposed to it or what's going on here, but she's definitely growing. She's developing uh, as a young person of 16 or 17 should should be doing. So uh, it's, it's a fascinating dynamic going on here, I think. And I think... Like I think Rory is drawn to that aesthetic because a lot of academia is draped in that aesthetic. So yes. I, I don't like at this point it's not consciously that she wants to be a rich elite person. It's consciously that she wants to be a bookish person, and those two things are associated uh, in her yeah. mind and in a lot of culture. You know, I, I mean Harvard especially. Harvard is maybe the prime example of this. It's it's all about that elite aesthetic. And the implication that the elite aesthetic is like part and parcel with being an academic person with academic excellence. Well, and, you know, historically, the arts were supported by the elite. You, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Leonardo, M- Michelangelo, all these people had to have patrons. So the, the artwork that they did has always been associated with elitism, you know, the, with wealth. You, the reason we have a lot of art from the Renaissance, from any, any previous era, is because wealthy people supported it. So there is an association between wealth and the arts that I think we, in modern times, strive often to disassociate you know we we take kids even in the poorest neighborhoods nowadays to the art museum although there are statistics that show i forget what the percentage is but there's a a staggeringly high percentage of five-year-olds coming into kindergarten who have never been to an art museum so in 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 america and and that's very sad we can get into that at another time but anyway (laughs) I didn't mean to go off topic here, but um, but there is definitely a, I think a, a realization in this country that we want things to be on a more equal footing. You know, yeah. we we give lip service to it, even if we don't always put policy to it, but uh, we we do talk about it, and mm-hmm. and so yeah, so that whole thing, the wealth and 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 artistry, I mean, it costs a lot of money to buy these bowls that she likes. Oh yeah, somebody who is is making minimum wage isn't going to be able to afford crystal yep. bowls unless they unless they do like I do and buy them in thrift stores which is you know <laughs> <laughs> that's my lifestyle uh, same. Yeah, I think I've literally got a crystal bowl right now sitting on my dresser that I bought at a either thrift store or garage sale, mm-hmm. one or the other. And and you love it, right? They're beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I great. love having beautiful things around me, but mm-hmm. I can't afford to buy them brand new. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots, sure. lots of stuff going on in this scene, isn't there? Gilmore Girls are great. I, I just got to throw <laughs> in here that we have all these tangents that we go off on because they bring, and maybe that's why we, I like the show so much, is that that contrast between the three levels really you know the parents are at this one level Rory's kind of at the in-between level and then and then Lorelai who is not at all uh stupid or poor you know not not poorly educated not poor mm-hmm. but she represents that that other that contrast to yeah. to the her her parents wealth and I mean 
I, th- I think the the contrast is between like upper class and middle class, right? Yeah. Like I, I think like the show hints that Lorelai at one point was dealing with poverty and actual mm-hmm. like working class issues, but in reality, her job, her house, these are like middle, middle even class. upper middle class things. Yeah. And as mm-hmm. we'll as we can get into when it comes time for it, uh, Lorelai's gift to Rory is an expensive gift. <laughs> Um, I, I, I want to talk about that when we get to it. Yeah, we'll, we'll I, talk about that. They, they, you can't really see it very well, and I have a guess about what it is because of the color. So mm-hmm. we'll talk about it when we get there. But yeah, she gets the she gives her the most expensive gift she gets. Oh yeah, so. for sure. Um, okay, so let's let's uh, so that's the scene at the grandparents' house. I'll move it along because um, I do have a little nerd tangent that I want to go on for the next okay. <laughs> scene. Um, so the next scene is Suki and Lorelai at work. I think they are planning the menu for Rory's party, and Suki says uh, it's too bad that Emily wouldn't give up Friday night. To which Lorelai responds, "No, she has her Vulcan death grip on that one." <laughs> And that line kind of bothered me because I was like, I feel like I have heard it called the Vulcan death grip by people who are not actually Star Trek fans. It's not a death grip. Yeah. So I looked it up. I've I've never, you know, I've seen every single Star Trek show, most of them all the way through more than once. uh, And I've never heard it called a Vulcan death grip in the show it is referred to that way once as a trick uh so there literally there is no such thing as a vulcan death grip it is the vulcan nerve pinch or the vulcan neck pinch Um, Mm -hmm. but there is an episode of the original series where spock uses essentially a super strong nerve pinch on kirk and he does kind of a theatrical thing where he like pushes into his face while he's doing it and he calls it a Vulcan death grip to (laughs) trick the Romulans into thinking that Kirk is dead. So there is no such thing as a Vulcan death grip. It does not exist. No. No. Um, And so, yeah, so that's just a, 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 but it it gets referred to that way a lot of the time in pop culture, I, I guess because that term was technically used one time. Also, apparently there was a band called Vulcan death grip. Um, Oh, really? Yeah. But uh, there is no such thing as a Vulcan death grip. There is only the nerve pinch, which does not kill anyone. Uh, so anyway, that's my nerd tangent. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then, uh, oh yeah, and then Lorelai asks Suki to guess what surprising thing Emily might have done. And Suki's first guess is war jeans. Uh, <laughs> that's the- <laughs> a pretty good one. Yeah. The answer is, of course, served pudding. Well, here's my two things on this one. First of all, I wrote something that I'm down that I can't remember the context of. But there's something where she talks about how she doesn't, her mom doesn't cave. Um, and then the quote is, the Pope has plans, but Elvis and Jim Morrison are coming. So, yes. and this is, I guess, the description of all the people who are coming to the fancy party at, mm-hmm. at, their parent, at her parents' house. And then when they're in the kitchen scene, there's a lead-in shot to that. A, a shot of the facade of the inn from a completely different angle. It looks mm. very different. They usually do it from the left. This time it's from the right, and you get to see the sign. And it looks like it's even a different color. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. did you use a different house for this one episode alone? They, you know, why do they do this? Anyway, yeah. that, but the kitchen scene, it felt to me, I'm just going to throw this in here, that the 
repartee, am I saying that right, uh, between the two women is not up to their usual pizzazz. And mm-hmm. I felt that the whole episode was not up to its usual pizzazz. It wasn't as engaging as it usually is. I think it's a very important episode, and we'll talk about that later. But it's still not as dynamic as, it, as, it, as, these, as the show usually is. I do think it's not as funny as it usually is, mm. but I also think that there's a lot of layered emotional stuff that's yes, happening. Yes, it's a very episode. important episode, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so then uh, Emily calls Lorelai on the phone and says that she wants to go shopping for a present for Rory uh, because she wants to get Rory something that she'll actually like. And Lorelai quips, okay, you can get her the bong then. <laughs> But it's ultimately a, a good conversation for them. And it's they very agree, good. Yeah, they agree to go shopping together. Hugely important. And she actually says to her, let me into your club and advise me on getting her a gift. Let yes. me into your club. This is yeah. such an important turning point for Emily. She yeah. realizes she's a Gilmore girl. And mm-hmm. she wants to be part of the Lorelai and Rory club. I, I think it's just... It's another concession. It's like the pudding. Yeah. It's she really wants to be, and and she ends up buying her a gift that costs hardly anything. Yep. But it's it's something that she learns how to how to how to give a gift in this in this episode because gifts are about the person you're giving to, not about yes. yourself. Yeah. And exactly. she picks out something with her daughter's help that her granddaughter will like, even mm-hmm. though it's cheap, and she would rather get her the five hundred dollar. Crystal bowl or whatever it was. They yeah. were, no, she was looking at pearls. She, well, she looked at yeah, when, pearls. When she, they, they go through a couple of things. when they So when we cut to the actual shopping scene, Emily's first, the first thing that we see Emily want to buy Rory is this hat, which Lorelai correctly points out looks like it belongs on the Queen of England. It's like a very yeah, stodgy a, hat. It's adorable and it would be great for Halloween. Yeah, great for Halloween or if you yeah. were going to like a society event, yeah. but it's, yeah. it's, uh... it's not great for everyday wear. Lorelai tries to redirect her towards this adorable hot pink guitar shaped guitar purse, purse. Mm-hmm. which Emily is kind of affronted by. And then she goes for the pearls and a cashmere sweater set. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which actually Rory would probably like. Um, yeah. Because she is, I... ki- she is a little bit more preppy than her mom is. Yes. Yeah, I feel like Rory actually probably would have liked those. Also, to be honest, like, I personally was never super into pearls, but I knew a lot of girls in high school who would have loved a string of real pearls. Yeah, Um, So same here. I mean, I've never had a string of real pearls, and I would love it. And, I mean, Mm -hmm. I have a lot of fake pearls in my my fake jewelry, and I wear it all the time. I love the look of pearls, but I usually like it with something funky. So jeans. I would wear pearls, pearls with jeans. So, but yeah, I would love it. There you go. Hint, hint, Christmas gift. I would love a set of pearls. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You heard it, people. Uh. You heard me tell her what I want for Christmas. Um, Anyway, but but the pearls, I think Roy would have liked that. Um, And actually, the when she's with the guitar purse, I thought, oh my God, she would like that, and she Uh would like the pearls. So get them both. (laughs) Get them both. Yeah, yeah. I would like that hot pink guitar shaped purse. That's see, I would not. I think it was just a little too. A little too much for me, a little too obnoxious, mm-hmm. but I'm not a 16-year-old girl, so. And I am, so. <laughs> 
So uh, there, there's another reference in this scene that By I By the way, up. you are older now than Lorelai is, is in this. Yeah, I just want to point I'm, that out. I'm well aware. I know that my sense of fashion skews way younger than I actually am. No, no, I didn't mean it that way. I just meant that it occurred to me that we are doing this so much later. I mean, 20 years yeah. later than from, you know, after the show was on that, that you are actually now, even though when we watched it, you were Rory's age, you are now mm-hmm. Lorelai's age. Yes, I am now older than Lorelai. So, but Lorelai chides Emily by saying, uh, you're not shopping for Rory, you're shopping for your imaginary granddaughter, Barbara Hutton. Um, so I, I looked up Barbara Hutton. I was going to say, do you know who that is? Okay, go ahead. This is, this is the intro Wikipedia description. Barbara Woolworth Hutton was an American debutante, socialite, heiress, and philanthropist. She was dubbed the poor little rich girl yep first when she was given a lavish and expensive debutante ball in 1930 amid the great depression and later due to a notoriously troubled private life she Uh, is kind of infamous for being the poster child for poor little rich children she's better known for that than she is for anything i mean that's about barbara hutton is is, yeah um so yeah i I thought that was kind of interesting um well worth air in part because um we you know so far rory has been a very you know mild-mannered kind of person but i like i can kind of see us heading into a direction where the poor little rich girl thing isn't a totally inaccurate thing for her yeah. Um, I, I do think overall the show really wants to tell us that Rory and Lorelai have a tough time with finances, but in reality they're way better off than most people. Yeah. Uh, and so there there is a little hint of like, well, let's feel bad for these people who are in fact upper middle class and have a lot of wealth, if not directly at their disposal, then like, you know, for the price of a weekly dinner, they have these grandparents who are paying for an extremely expensive education, which, you know, is not to say that I don't like these characters. I do. I like the characters. I like the show. But I feel like a couple of times in this episode, I was really struck by the disconnect between how poor we're supposed to think they are and how poor they actually are. Yeah. It's it's definitely a show about money. I mean, money yeah. is, is is almost a, a fifth character in this in, in this show and how it's used, what it buys, um, how it separates people. It's it's, it's definitely it's definitely in there and yeah. can never get away from it because her, her, her parents are wealthy and they are paying for um, Lorelai's child's education. And, you know, they mm-hmm. did mention, they do mention in this episode that it's a loan. This is the second time that, that they've, you know, f- after the first episode where she insists that this is going to be a loan, she'll pay them back. Yes. This is the first time, and we're at the sixth or seventh episode, and this is the first time we hear them talking about it as a loan. But I get the impression throughout this the series that it's not a loan. She's never going to pay this back. Yeah, also, like, I'm sorry, where do we think all their wealth is going to go when they do die? Like, we're, we were literally just talking about their will. These do not seem like the kind of people who are going to give all of their stuff away to charity when they die. It's nope. going to Lorelai and Rory. It's like, the wealth is going to go there eventually. And the, important, and the important part of what you just said is that it's going to Lorelai. I mean, yes. it will go to Rory, but probably by the time Richard and Emily die, Rory may not need it. 
Well, they may not either. My impression has been most wealthy people give or, or leave, I should say, the majority of their estate to their children, not their, their mm-hmm. grandchildren. Now, they yeah. might give money to their grandchildren, but the majority of the estate is, and they only have one child. It's going to Lorelai. So she's going to be a wealthy woman someday. And, and, and Rory will get some of that, but I think that these are traditional wealthy people. It's going to Lorelai. Yeah. Um, so just to wrap up that scene, they do end up on the bracelets, which did those bracelets look familiar to you? Because they looked no. familiar to me. Go ahead then. I have no <laughs> idea what they were, but they looked they looked funky these, and cheap to me. I think I bought you bracelets like that. I, I mean, I don't think I think I bought you like a slightly nicer version, but they're these bracelets that have like very round balls all around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones that they got apparently light up, which I'm pretty sure the ones that I bought you did not light up. I think I bought you a, a bracelet like that that was like a like rose quartz pink but it's like just little little balls all the way around it anyway that just it just struck me as i remember those bracelets being everywhere at that time those oh so this you bought this for me when you were in grade school oh yeah yeah like like this was like a or or, uh middle school maybe middle school high school like i I think i I kind of remember that yeah 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 like a mother's day or a birthday present when i was like 15 or something Mm -hmm. i vaguely remember it it probably like broke a year later you know but but this this bracelet that i just i just remember that style of bracelet being everywhere and i think there was a range because i think i got you like kind of a nicer one but you could get some that were like just straight up obviously plastic apparently these ones lit up those, those kinds of bracelets were everywhere so it's a very very sign of the times kind of jewelry <laughs> so before we move on to the actual next scene the the phone call and the shopping scene uh, in the middle of that is a scene with Rory at school, which yeah. my note on that is Tristan assaults Rory with his presence because he just pops up out of nowhere. It's very clear she does not want to talk to him. Um, and he informs her that the like her entire Chilton class has been invited to this party on Friday. And right after that, she walks by some girls talking about how they're being forced to go. Yeah. Um, and she just looks absolutely miserable and I feel for her in that scene yeah that is the height of embarrassing to be 16 17 however old Rory is uh and to be in the position of people you already didn't like feeling like they are being forced to go to your birthday party it's it's kind of the definition of pathetic and and it's and it's an elitist pathetic because it's it's a class thing because, you know, mm-hmm. when you go to a prep school and you're part of a, a class, you're expected to go. You know, and Rory doesn't want that. But at the same time, she, and I don't know if we're there yet, but the reason she doesn't do anything about it, she doesn't even tell her mom about yeah. it. She doesn't tell her that, that that her grandparents have done this because she it doesn't want to disrupt the change that seems to be mm-hmm. happening with, their, with um, Emily. And yeah. that is that Emily is trying to connect with them more at their on their level and she doesn't want to mess mess with that the problem with that <laughs> is that things build up and we'll, we'll get to that in a minute but sometimes you need to deal with things when they happen so they don't blow up and it does blow up yeah. later and i think yeah this episode is like the second example of rory keeping stuff to herself for too long until she mm-hmm. kind of explodes but yeah so that's this is kind of the very next scene is uh at the diner again um it actually starts with a cute little interaction between 
Luke and Lorelai, um, I would say one of the first, very obviously, the show is shipping these two people together scenes. Yeah, but what does he say to her? He asks her to marry him in order to get her to shut up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, it's 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 a it's a very astounding moment. It just comes out of nowhere. I mean, you know why he does it instantly, but at the same time, you're taking it back, and so is Lorelai. Mm-hmm. But right after that, she does invite him to Rory's party, and he seems genuinely touched by yeah. the invitation. Like, he's kind of like, oh, you you don't have to invite me to that. And she's like, no, I want to. And he's like, really? Oh, okay, then I'll go. Um, which does bring up a question for me, which I, I, I guess is, is, I think they're answering through implication instead of stating it. I guess Luke has not actually lived in the town that long, even though his father is his father lived in the town i think maybe eventually and i'm not sure if we've talked about that yet i'm not sure if that's come up in the show yet Mm -hmm. but i guess the implication is that maybe luke grew up there as a little kid and then moved away uh and he's only been as an adult living in the town the past year or so yeah i don't Uh, know i and i don't think we ever know and and yeah i i don't i didn't even remember that his father lived there but now you mentioned it yeah kind of kind of do remember that but my impression is that the, their relationship is growing. I mean, it's in, it's kind of in its very earliest stages. And I, and I wish we knew how long Luke Steiner had been open. But it feels, it always feels like it's recent. But we don't know exactly how recent. Well, and it's kind of weird because it feels like on the one hand, it feels like the diner is super well established and is like a mainstay of town. On the other hand, it always feels like Luke himself is kind of an outsider. And like yeah. the conversation that happens next is uh, Rory comes in and she and Lorelai sit down. And then Luke comes over to bring them coffee, which I do just want to note, it is very clearly dark outside. And mm-hmm. uh, Rory specifically asks for coffee. So they are drinking coffee after dark. Yeah. Not a surprise with these two, but just pointing it out. Yeah, um, I mean, And yeah. Uh, Rory and Lorelai are telling him about what great parties Lorelai throws. And they claim that at Rory's eighth birthday party, the cops were called. And they arrested the clown. And Luke does not know this story at all. So at the very least, he was not around when Rory was a kid. Did they explain why they, why they arrested the clown? No, <laughs> he, he says that, he says he would prefer not to know. Uh, so yeah. that that opens up a whole can of worms that we're not going to get into. But um, yeah. Um, oh so yeah, yeah. Unless you have anything else to say about the scene, I want to get to the next scene, which mm-hmm. I think is kind beautiful. of the heart of the episode. It's yeah. very yeah. It's just lovely. Yeah, Lorelai comes in to wake Rory up at four a.m. on the morning of her birthday. Four oh three. Four oh three a.m. Uh, I mean, it's on the clock. It says on the clock. Yes. 403. And asks her what she thinks of her life so far. And Rory's only complaint is humidity. Humidity. She would like humidity to stop. And Lorelai says she'll work on it. And then she tells her the story of her birth. And it's very clear from their back and forth that she has told the story the exact same way every single year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the quote is, and there I was. And Rory interrupts in labor. (laughs) And Lorelai continues, <laughs> and while some have called it the most meaningful experience of your life, to me, it was something more akin to doing the splits on a crate of dynamite. Yep. And Rory <laughs> responds, I wonder if the Waltons ever did this. And the question that I have about this scene for, is that 
how old is Rory? This is where it first comes up. Because she says, yeah. and, and, you know, apparently she's reciting this thing, the same thing, in exactly the same way as she has done every year. But she says, and blah, 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 so many moons ago, instead of saying 17 years ago. So it seems like it's deliberately, what's the word I want? Uh, <laughs> Obfuscating? Um, yeah, I was thinking obtuse, but that's not the right. Deliberately, um, she's just, you know, vague, deliberately vague. <clears throat> about how old Rory Rory is, and we never find out. But when the, in the first episode, I'm pretty sure they said she was 16, and she's driving herself to school, so she has to be at least 17 in this scene. Why aren't we they saying that? Anyway. I mean, may, maybe they wanted her to be 16, but also to turn 16. Is oh, that wait, weird? No, it, doesn't she have a man? I uh, okay now. Now that I'm thinking about it, doesn't she have crown on her head that says how old she is? Uh, maybe it just says happy birthday. That sure. one I don't know, but um, <clears throat> but this scene is very lovely. And actually, as I was yeah. watching it, I, I remember thinking, why did I never do that with Sarah? You so, did. I mean, did you I, did. At 6:58 p.m., I would come no. in and tell you. Okay, <laughs> you would do it at midnight. You would come in at midnight. Oh, okay. You came in at midnight. I mean, not every year, but you you came in at midnight to wish okay. me a happy birthday. You didn't tell me. I don't think you told me the story of my birth specifically, but you would just come in and tell me that it was my birthday. Because you were still that, awake at midnight doing homework. Yes. I just want to say. And that, <laughs> and that it was the day that you became a mom. Yeah, yeah, and I actually have always celebrated your birthday as my mom anniversary, too. Yes. And because it is. And it, that, that's a, it was a very important ter- uh, turning point in my life, so I, I see it as both. But I don't think I ever actually came to you on your birthday at 6.58, or no, 7.58 p.m. and said, hey, you were born at this moment so many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so the, then there's another short little scene um, where Rory and Lane go to Luke's diner. Um, they try to sit at the counter, and he tells them, wrong table. And then explains that he baked her a coffee cake and blew up balloons for her and left them at a specific table, which is super sweet. And here's my comment on that. They sit there and the camera goes back and forth between them. You never see Lane's cake, but you see Rory's cake, which keeps getting smaller and she keeps forking it, but you never see her put the fork to her mouth or chew. (laughs) This is my complaint about this show is that there's always food in it. They talk about the food and we've talked about this before and we'll probably talk about it again, but you never actually see them eating food. They yeah. eat the actual act of eating or chewing never happens on screen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Also, another like similar kind of annoyance. Dean walks in and orders a cup of coffee and does not pay for it and leaves. <laughs> that um, is and, weird. And yeah. but also they they exchange knowing glances at each other. Yes. Lane's back to him, so she doesn't mm-hmm. see him. So at this point, Lane still does not know about the boy. So yes, yes, when is that exactly. going to change? You know, that's, not sure. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Dean Dean at the door mouths "Happy birthday" to mm-hmm. Rory, and Rory gets a little smile on her face. And Lane asks why she's smiling, and Rory responds that she's thinking about pudding. 
But but Rory does tell Lane that she doesn't want to go to her grandmother's party because all of the Chilton kids have been invited. Yeah. So she is at least venting to Lane. Although even in that scene, she like reconvinces herself not to complain about it because she wants her mom and Emily to continue getting along. Yeah, you know, which is Rory taking on too much again for other people's emotional connections and needs. And she, she needs to stop doing that, but she hasn't come to that realization yet you can't fix everything so we pretty much go straight to i guess the the lead up to the party we cut to emily the first party. essentially yeah, the, the, the first, first party, party yes. the one at, the, at the grandparents house the grandparents party yes um we cut to emily screaming at the hired help and being very specific i think there's a specific line about how the candles need to be exactly six, six inches, inches apart. apart yes yes um, Get a ruler. she also <laughs> Also, Richard comes in and she orders him not to talk business and he claims that he'll only do it for a minute and she's like, no, you'll do it all night. Even if I drop dead, you'd keep doing it. You'd walk over my corpse. And then he kind of interrupts her to say that she looks really nice. But also she's right. He literally spends the whole party talking about business. He does, yeah. But and here's the, two, two things about this scene. She is surprised at him saying how nice she looks. So apparently this is not something he does very often, but it seems to to it kind of it's a clicking moment between them like it's a flirtatious moment i guess mm-hmm. and you don't see that with them very often but uh, the, but she says to him and this was my thought she says to him richard no business this is your grand granddaughter's party and my my thought was seriously you just yelled at one of the dozen dozens of workers mm-hmm. that the candlesticks need to be six inches apart but he can't talk business i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it's just a very strange dynamic that I will never understand, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I have mixed feelings about Emily in this whole episode, to say mm-hmm. the least. Um, I will say I think Kel- Kelly Bishop is doing an incredible job oh, she's um, portraying this character. You can totally see, like, at, without Kelly Bishop's, like, layered vulnerability, I think Emily would be a lot harder to like in this episode. Yes. Well, and throughout um, the whole the whole show. You know, oh, yeah, I think sure. we always like Emily, even though she is different. She is a difficult She's person. She's tough. She is a, yeah, a very difficult person. But the actress, and, and I'm glad you brought this up because Kelly Bishop really is a brilliant actress. I, I can't remember yeah. where, but somewhere in the last three or four months, I've seen her in something else. She's 20 years older now. Uh, and she's probably in her 50s at this point, the actress. So she's in her Dur- 70s the show. now. At the yeah. time of the show, yeah. And I seen her something recently, and I didn't even recognize who it was. It was like she looked familiar, so I stopped whatever it was I was watching and looked her up, looked it up on IMDb, and it was Kelly Bishop. And I thought, wow, she is, she is an incredible actress. It's kind of disappointing that she never got more roles because she's really, really good. I know she was, I think she was also in Dirty Dancing prior to this show. Yeah, Hmm. I don't, I haven't actually seen Dirty Dancing. I've just seen like a clip where she is clearly in it. Yeah, it is kind of a bummer that she doesn't have more like leading roles because she's incredible. And but also, it's you know not that surprising. We don't have very many roles for any actors, well, for any female actors over forty. Yeah, yeah. She was probably very lucky to get this role, and probably felt that way about it too. So yeah, and it's a great role. I mean, it's it's good writing, so it's a great role, and she's a good actress, and so she probably loved it. Yeah. Yeah. This party um, scene, though, a couple things about it. I, I, I think the dresses are great. The two dresses. I mean, I didn't, oh, yeah. you don't get to see what the dresses look like before she, she alters True. them. So True. Emily has bought both 
false Gilmore Girls uh, address for the party. And apparently there's a lot of tulle in it. Because that's the only thing that we see when uh, Lorelai is playing with the dress. I don't know what she does to it. But when, when they get to the party, that apparently the dresses look very different. But they're very lovely. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't know what they look like before, but she does a good job with that. And then there's a scene where Rory is talking to Mitzi. No, 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 Lorelai is <laughs> talking to Mitzi. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I guess Mitzi was a high school friend or somebody who knew her. And friend in heavy quotation marks. <laughs> yeah. I saw she went to high school with. Okay. Yes. And she, she keeps talking about stuff and she says, you know, she's divorced. I want mm-hmm. to grow. She says, I want to grow. And then she shoves her glass at a waiter for a refill. Uh-huh. So, really? <laughs> Yeah, she's because she she uh, she approaches Lorelai and she says, "I haven't seen you since your third trimester or something." Yeah. And Lorelai responds with, "I was gonna say since high school." And then Mitzi's like, "Oh, did I say something rude? I'm trying not to be rude. I'm trying to grow." And then proceeds to be horrifically rude for her and ent- the entire rest of her time yeah, on screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, her her like the the thing that finally breaks Lorelai's back in the conversation is uh, she sees Rory and says, "Oh, you can really see Christopher." and her can't you does that kill you and Lorelai's like I'm done (laughs) I'm done with this conversation yeah uh yeah Mitzi is a piece of work jumping back just a little bit Lorelai Emily asks Lorelai what she thinks of the decorations and Lorelai's response is I think Edith Wharton would have been proud and busy taking notes I'm not like the biggest scholar of Edith Wharton but I have mixed feelings about that as a reference Edith Wharton was a member I don't think it's an appropriate reference at all I mean Uh, yeah I kind of don't. <laughs> I mean, Edith Wharton, I'm trying to remember, did, did she, is she the one that wrote the, all the books about the West? Am I thinking, no. did I get the right writer, um, or is she, uh... You're, you're thinking of someone else whose yeah. name has left my mind. E- Edith yeah. Wharton was a rich woman, and she did write about the wealthy. Um, society. The, the wealthy upper classes. She wrote classes. society yeah, novels. She, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. She wrote, um, The House of Mirth is the one that I've read. Oh, I think yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. The Age I've of Innocence. That. And, and so she, she did write about the upper class, but she was pretty critical of the upper class that was kind of Mm -hmm. her thing a a lot of her novels are about people who got a little unlucky and then were brought to complete ruin because of the rigid structure of the upper class and also Edith Wharton was not famous for or is not famous for being a hostess she's famous for being a writer so it feels a little sexist to have that as the pull like yeah would you have said F. Scott Fitzgerald would have been proud and busy taking notes yeah (laughs) like I think that's a very good point and it also feels like well so is that deliberate on the part of the writers because Lorelai doesn't have the education that her her mother has or that Rory is going to get so maybe she has never read Edith Wharton and assumed that that maybe what that could be I don't know it's not like the writers to get these kind of things wrong so I almost wonder if it was deliberate but what she also says in that same scene is something about I don't remember how she phrases it but she says six inches apart right the candlestick yeah. so she yes. this is a long-standing thing this candlesticks have to be six inches apart on the mantle. For sure. And yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, it's just like, wow, where did you get where did you get six inches from? Anyway. Uh so the, kind of the next thing that happens in the party is really uncomfortable. Um Emily like kind of grabs Rory by the sh- shoulders and tells her that a bunch of her school friends are hanging out in the library. Of course, unbeknownst to Emily, none of them are Rory's friends. Yeah. She doesn't even know them. So she kind of forcibly steers Rory into the library uh, and then leaves her there. And Rory stands awkward.
awkwardly while two boys we've never seen on screen before basically express their disinterest in her and turn away. Uh, and then she leaves the room and immediately runs into Paris. Well, and here, here's another thing about that scene. It's fall, right? So we're still, it's October maybe. So she's only been at Chilton for maybe a month. I mean, I'm, I'm, we're, we're just guessing here, extrapolating. A I month guess. or two, yeah. So how would you expect her to know all these kids within yeah. a month, a month or yeah. two? I, I just, it seems very insensitive. I mean, there, you, yeah. you were saying earlier that Emily is, you know, kind of this Jekyll and Hyde character. She's she's trying to get to know them, but sometimes she's just so insensitive. Why would you invite all these kids that your granddaughter is just beginning to become acquainted with instead yeah. of asking her, which of the students at the school have you gotten to know and I should invite? I mean, I feel like Emily is treating this party more like an official old world social function. Than a society like, function. Yeah, like exactly. Coming out party. I'm surprised you didn't uh-huh. actually say, let's make it a coming out party. That's exactly how it feels. Yes, it, it, it feels much more like a society event. I actually, when, when we get to the other party, one of my notes was like, the second party feels like a party. The first party felt like a work event, you know? Yeah, it like, does feel like a work event. And actually, yeah. interesting thing, I don't know if, you, if, if you've got an order that you're, you're going through, but at some point, Rory finds your grandfather talking to two or three men, and she wants to join the conversation because I think because she really enjoyed the golfing outing with her yes. her grandfather and she had met some of his friends there and so she I think she kind of seizes an opportunity to talk to adult men on an adult level and she she tries to enter the conversation before she can they all hand her a birthday card which we have to assume each one probably has a lot of money in it and then they and then they continue talking shop and then they walk o- walk off and it's like yeah. that's very nice that you brought a birthday card with money but she really wanted to interact with you and you just and Richard he, he does the same thing it's not like he he introduces her but he doesn't attempt to draw her into the conversation and she wants that conversation that's the reason she shows up she wants to know about Richard's world she wants to know about the business world she wants to know about the bigger world outside Stars Hollow and these are people who represent that and they just kind of brush her off and walk away I think also I think at this point Rory is much better suited to the kind of socializing that happens in the adult world than the kind of socializing that is happening at Chilton. I mean, basically, it's heavily implied that the kids at Chilton are biased against her because she didn't go to Chilton the whole time. You know, they they do still to the grade schools they all went to. Yeah, exactly. They still see her as a scholarship kid even mm-hmm. though she's not. And they know um, that now because they're, they're at her grandparents' house, so they know she's not a scholarship kid anymore. But And now they all resent being forced to go to this party that they didn't want to go to on their Friday night. Yeah. But yeah, so she she has a quick run-in with Paris who tells her that her parents made her come and seems insistent that Rory not believe that she came to this party voluntarily. <laughs> She's yeah. like, otherwise I wouldn't be here. You believe me, don't you? It's an interesting scene, and I don't know if it's this one or the next one. Oh, I think it's a college fair. There's some foreshadowing going on here because, and you know, I think it's okay to say that later on, Rory and Paris become good friends, best friends. Even. Yeah. So I, it, I feel it like it's very clear... Time. 
Yeah, I, I, but I feel like with, and granted, you know, I've seen the show before, but I feel like in this scene, this felt to me almost like the friend version of like a rom-com scene where like these two are not admitting that they should be friends yet, but they should yes. be friends. Paris is starting to understand her a little bit better. And I'm not sure that it, I think it did, I did notice it in this scene, but I noticed it more in, in the college fair scene. They are the same height. Actually, Paris is shorter than, than her. But mm-hmm. up until now... <laughs> Up until now, every scene that we've seen her in with Paris, it has always felt to me that Paris was taller than she. And yes. which was weird when you think about it, because we know that Rory is tall. Uh, she's as tall as her mom. And, and even Richard commented on a few episodes back that the yeah. boy, she's tall. So up until now, though, in the scenes with Paris, we have not seen them positioned in such a way that, that she was taller than Paris. And I think that's a visual equalizing that it's starting to happen in yeah that that's very deliberate on the part of the the, the showrunner <laughs> as it was yeah. so all of paris's stuff in this episode it's showing a lot more vulnerability from yes. her than we've seen yes. so far so right right after she runs into paris and this this relates um she then runs into tristan who's horrible again richard comes over and asks who her friend is referring to tristan and she replies i don't know but this is tristan and tristan like immediately transforms into an equally obnoxious but more like socially acceptable version of himself uh, I, I put it in my notes as he puts on his rich white privilege face and drops his last name Dugray to Richard and Richard recognizes the name and they have like a, a handshake and then Rory runs away and as Rory runs away we cut to Paris who is gazing longingly at Tristan, at Tristan. yeah which already I'm just like girl you deserve better than that yes I did too I thought the same same thing. This guy is not worthy of anybody. No. Especially that these definitely especially with these two smart, capable young women, strong young women. Yeah. Paris does eventually figure that out, right? I mean she doesn't I don't remember if she figures it out that directly, but we'll we'll get there. It's gonna be a okay. continuing it'll be a continuing thread. This is definitely I mean, I you know, like I said, we're we're showing some vulnerability in Paris and mm-hmm. one of her vulnerabilities is that she has absolutely tragic taste in men, also has kind of low self esteem. What we're gonna yeah. get some more background information on Paris but it is slowly becoming more and more apparent that all of her animosity towards Rory comes from her insecurity yeah and that insecurity is showing its head uh just to like run through some of the plot Uh, Emily that the next thing that happens is Emily tries to pressure Rory into giving a speech and that is when Rory finally breaks and kind of yells at Emily in front of everyone and then runs off to hide in Lorelai's room yes it's a very important scene and it starts off kind of slow her voice just gradually gets louder and louder in the scene until you start to realize it and then the camera pulls back a little bit and you can see that the people around them are starting to listen and so it's it's a scene that grows as Rory's talking and getting louder and angrier but it, it this is something that Emily needed to experience if they are going to move forward she has to yeah. understand that Rory's a real person she's got a personality she's got a life she is not uh, somebody that uh, Emily can just rubber stamp and say this is who you are and you know she didn't Rory is a good kid you know, she's she's trying. She wants her mother and her grandmother to get along better. She didn't complain about the Chilton kids, but in this scene, Emily 
even though she tells she tells her that Emily doesn't give an inch. It's like she will not back down. And you know what, Emily, you're in the wrong here. You are yeah. wrong, and Rory is right, and you can't see that. And all she can and there's two things going on. She's she's not only feeling like she is completely right, she's also embarrassed because this, yeah. this Rory's getting very loud in front of her friends. So yeah. it's a very uh, important scene. For everybody. Yeah. You know, I do feel like it was not the ideal way to handle no, it on Rory's part, but, but she's a teenager, so it's it's not, you yeah. know, she's she's not going to handle it the ideal way, you know, and she did try. She, she tried to keep it to herself, but, you know, in this moment, it's not even just that the Chilton kids that she doesn't like are there. It's that she didn't know she was supposed to make a speech. That's yeah. not something that you spring on someone in the middle of a party. Especially That's... a teenager. Teenagers yeah. don't make speeches. Exactly. <laughs> what do you like, what do you I... want her to say? Thank you, Grandma, for make giving me this party. I mean, what was she that supposed I to say? That I didn't want. <laughs> that I didn't yeah. want, yeah. Yeah, thank you, Grandma, for giving me this party and inviting all of the kids who are mean to me every day. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 a tough moment and I do I feel for both of them because I do also kind of feel for Emily in that this is an embarrassing moment. I Emily's in the wrong, but her embarrassment is real. Yeah. And I do understand that, but I you know, it's a reaction to the fact that essentially what Emily is doing is like she's she's gotten some small wins with Rory up until now. You know, the, the Rory loved the club, so M- Emily won in that episode. So I think she's allowed herself to be convinced that Rory will basically be the version of Lorelai that Emily always wanted. Yeah. And what she's not realizing is that the version of Lorelai that she wanted was a robot. And yeah. Rory is not a robot. <laughs> yeah. She she really had some gains, you're right, some wins, but this mm-hmm. is a clear loss, and she does not take losses very well. No. Uh, but it's followed up by a wonderful scene in Lorelai's bedroom. So Rory retreats to Lorelai's bedroom and is laying in her bed, which is frilly. Has that, first of all, not been changed since Lorelai moved out 16 years earlier. It's exactly the same. It's frilly and girly, and it's not Lorelai. There are so many dolls in this There's room. so many dolls. <laughs> So many antique dolls. And it's got a real Victorian feel to it. The whole room has a real Victorian feel to it. So she just flops down on the bed and she's laying in the bed, looking out, and then Lorelai comes in and flops down next to her. And this is actually one of the scenes that's in the credits. So we're we're gradually getting through all those scenes that are in the credits. And they have a nice little talk and it's kind of lovely. And now Emily walks in too, right? Emily walks in, yeah. Emily walks in and interrupts them both to tell them that they're both being very rude by hanging out in this room mm-hmm. when there are guests and Rory it seems to me like Rory immediately tries to apologize and Emily basically won't let her no nope. she cuts her off repeatedly and is basically I, I put it as she's giving her the cold shoulder she's she's cold shouldering her just kind of stonewalling I guess is yeah and what she's, she's doing she hasn't gotten over her mad yet and yes this kind of made me think of about my mother uh, whenever mm-hmm. I had fights with her she and I would calm down at different speeds and I think with you and I that happened too 
And when you have a fight and you don't both calm down and want to make amends at the same time, that's emotionally very difficult. And Emily is can be very cold. And she really, you said cold shoulder? Yeah, she really is cold to her here. You know, Rory, as soon as she walks away she re- from the fight, I mean, as soon as she's finished yelling at her grandmother and walks away, she knows she's done something really bad and she needs yeah. to repair it. Uh, she loves her grandmother and she doesn't want to hurt her. And she knows that the party was well-intentioned. She knows, she feels all the things. And she, yeah. she wants to make amends immediately, but her grandmother is not ready yet. That's just a, it's a difficult scene to watch. And I, there's definitely also, I mean, Emily is very old school, old world. She's like colonial old school. <laughs> yes, she is. Um, which like, so that like the very next, like kind of a continuation of this scene is like they start to say goodbye to their guests. And after the guests leave, Richard comes over to Rory and says, I know your grandmother has already bought you a gift and signed my name to it. That was part of our agreement when we got married. I wrote that down for that line because it was just so that is such an old-fashioned view of marriage i mean it's, mm-hmm. it's it's almost it's kind of more egalitarian i think than it normally is because he's saying that that was their agreement as in they consciously agreed that she would buy all the gifts and sign his name to it mm-hmm. I, fe- I feel like the more usual thing is it is just assumed that the woman will do the that goodbye. kind of work yeah household yeah. management yeah household management hospitality anything yeah. more social that mm-hmm. the woman will be in charge of that and that's actually a common problem uh, with modern women who have careers and they talk about how that extra that's the third job that mm-hmm. men push off on um, professional women when they get married and expect them to to do all of those things and it's 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 like having a part-time or second full-time job when yeah. you have to you have to arrange everything you have to buy the gifts you have to get the I kids think, to the birthday parties all that stuff you know it's, it's, yeah it's i think there's work. actually a book called the second shift yeah that's just, it's a second yeah. shift yeah so yeah. but in their marriage she has not worked so she has taken on that role and of course yeah. he says that's all that's all good and fine but here's my gift to you and but here's my extra gift yeah, here's my extra gift. What, what's interesting to me about that is he hands her a card with money in it, and it's like he is saying, I know you have a relationship with your grandmother, but we have a relationship too, and I'm honoring that with my with my own gift to you, which I don't usually do. Yeah. So he is really bonded, I think. Um, with his granddaughter yes. and that's really good to see yeah and it's 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 a n- nice moment because richard has been kind of on autopilot for this whole episode episode like, yes <laughs> you know, like, like yeah exactly like i said emily was right he spent the whole time talking business and this is sort of a return a reminder that they have this bond and mm-hmm. a moment where he has returned to that bond and uh, they reference this money they reference their earlier conversation about fez which yes. you and I were talking about yesterday and about possibly taking a trip together at some point and where we would like to go. And I, and I said, Fez, let's go to Fez. Yes. And then I said, where the hell is Fez? So I had to look <laughs> it up. <laughs> and it's Fez, F-E-S, not F-E-Z. F-E-S. It's not the yeah. hat. But, um, and it's in Morocco, which is a place I would actually really like to visit. So yeah. she's right. Morocco is, is a fascinating place, fascinating culture. A um, yeah. lot of rugs and things come out of there. Oh, yeah. Um, and Design. So the, what's the word for that? Not tact. Um, anyway, a lot of rugs come out of there. There's also like tiles and stuff, like Moroccan Yes, tile yeah. There's a lot of that kind of yeah. stuff that comes out of there. And it's got a real uh, specific... Oh, textiles. That's what I was looking for, textiles. There we go. It's very specific. 
specific culture, uh, trade culture that comes from, comes from Morocco that I think is just beautiful and fascinating. Anyway, so they both want to go to Fez, and so he gives her an envelope of money that she can put towards savings for Fez. Which, yeah, you are correct. It is spelled F-E-S, but just as like a humorous note, I watched the show with Netflix's captions on, and Netflix thinks it's spelled F-E-Z. And that's so. why that's why I was pronounced. <laughs> I was visualizing it with a Z until I looked it up. Yeah, that's probably why. Uh, yeah. So Rory tries to invite Emily to the party on Saturday, which is going to be with the town. But Emily is still kind of shutting her down, still cold shouldering. So Lorelai asks to go speak to her alone, and their conversation is pretty intense. So uh, Lorelai tries to invite her again to the party, and Emily's response is, "I've already been to." A party for my granddaughter and she humiliated me in front of all of my friends i have no desire to relive that experience which you know is fair but also lorelei's response is very accurate she says you're doing the same thing to her that you always did to me you try to control her and when that doesn't work out you shut her out which is very very accurate and then oh yeah and then they're they're kind of their final exchange there is lorelei gets frustrated because emily is not giving an inch and she finally says fine I give up and Emily says oh you're giving up if I had a dollar for every time you gave up and Laura like cuts her off and goes then you could pay for this party couldn't you <sighs> which yeah so that was just it's a hard it scene. was an intense scene it's it, yeah it's a hard scene but it is a very emotionally honest scene yeah. I think Emily really needed to hear that also I just want to note that I feel so bad for the staff who are in the background yeah. of this scene <laughs> this is my definition of a nightmare work environment yeah and see you keep calling them staff and I'm call I call them workers because they are clearly yeah. You know, she's hired a catering company to, and you know, whatever to do I all mean, this for her. I'm thinking of them as staff of the catering company. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it is a hard scene to watch, and yeah, it every once in a while, um, not in every episode, but in quite a few of the episodes so far, there has been a scene between these two women that calls up their history and the hurts that they have both experienced. Um, Lorelai's not completely blameless here. She, you know, she For has sure. left. She did She did run away. So, so yeah, it, it's, it, they, they are both working through a lifetime, Lorelai's lifetime of, of pain and hurts. So that's in the scene. But you kind of get the feeling that we're still at a turning point for them and that yes. Maybe, just maybe, Emily and Richard will show up at the party. But yes. before we get to that, <laughs> we have to go the through the, the college fair. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Rory is going to the college fair to pick up another Harvard brochure and to see if they've changed the pictures. They go. She um, goes every year. <laughs> Yes, Uh, and of course, she goes straight to the Harvard booth, and she runs into Paris. My note on on this scene is, they are friend soulmates. They are meant to be friends. Yep. Uh, but but they're still in denial about it. They are both pretty horrified to see the other person there. Well, and why? It's like you both go to Chilton. Of course you're both going to apply right? to Harvard. Also, You I can't go say... there. I'm going to go there. <laughs> yeah, like I, I like this scene because I like how it shows 
what Rory and Paris have in common. But mm-hmm. I do just want to say, as I was watching this scene, I was like, I kind of hate how this show and how these characters treat college. I-, I think a lot of TV shows really don't know how to treat college applications. And that's kind of too bad because for some of us, and I am talking about myself, for some of us, when we were growing up, we didn't have a an extensive back family that went to college. So a good chunk of our understanding of how college works and what you should look for in a college came from television shows, and they are all wildly bad at portraying that, this show included. I I think both Rory's reasoning for wanting to go to Harvard specifically and Paris's reasoning both are terrible. Rory's Rory's stated reason is literally just, I've only ever wanted to go to Harvard, as if like the reason is she never heard of another school. And then Paris's stated reason is all all of the, what is her last name? Gellers. All of the Gellers have gone to Harvard. So Paris's reason is my whole family went there, so I have to go there. Rory's reason is... I picked it out when I was an infant, so I have to go there. I don't. Yeah, I don't think Rory actually has a good reason to go to Harvard. She she can mm-hmm. never articulate it. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It's it you you growing up and and me too. I mean, I grew up in a family where nobody had gone to college, and most people had not even finished high school. So I was a first generation. You were second generation. But what that meant was that it was your parents and your parents' friends, <laughs> and that yeah. was it. And there was yeah. nobody else in our family anywhere extended out pretty far. I mean, you yeah. have a cousin. You have one cousin uh, on your father's side yeah. who went to college. And I have I have, well, I have, have a couple of cousins that who are younger than me who, who eventually went to college. One is actually a teacher, and I think she's even a, like an assistant principal. She's an administrator. So she, yeah. But that's the only one. And he, I have friends whose parents and grandparents and great-grandparents went to college and it's just mind-boggling to me really yeah you have college educations going that far back my grandmother went to eighth grade twice she went a second year so she could stay in school because there were no grade schools close enough to her that and and after that she was done and my mother uh, dropped out at 16 my father dropped out now on your father's side she has uh, distant relatives that he's never met that are pretty yeah. highly educated. So there is yeah. some some relative education there, but but you've never met them. So yeah. So so yeah. So I have I have mixed feelings about this scene. Um, I you know we, we can talk about it as the show goes on because college is going to continue to be a theme. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like there is a a lot of romanticization of quote unquote elite universities, particularly Harvard, Yale, Princeton, like that level. And you know the truth of the matter is that most people are never going to get into Harvard. And I want to be clear that it's not because they don't deserve to go there. I think it is a I think we're we're starting as a culture to reckon with this a little bit more. But the truth is that a place like Harvard, it does matter a lot uh, how much money you're family has you are much more likely to get in if you are a legacy and I do believe they will touch on that eventually when we get to the college application stage but I feel like scenes like this help to reinforce this kind of mystical thinking uh, magical thinking narrative that if you just work 
really hard, you'll be able to get into the biggest name universities and it'll all be worth it. And that's just not true. Par both Paris and Rory have a lot of advantages that most people do not have. Mm -hmm. uh, so they do have a much higher chance of getting into Harvard. But the, the fact that they have a much higher chance than most people of getting into Harvard is not actually a reflection of their hard work or whether or not they deserve it. It is a reflection of their privilege. Uh, and, and, and you so, know, it's not getting an elite college education is not necessarily a better education exactly you you went to an elite college and you felt at the end of it that you could have gone to a number of different schools and gotten just as yeah. good of an education and yeah. the, the interesting thing about this is one of my college professors um i saw rita madsen we're going to get a rita madsenism <laughs> here huge influence on my life and she i went to webster university she was a professor of english there and she her son her only son went to the same university you went to uh, mm -hmm. And when I when I saw her once years after graduation, and we were talking about it, she said, "I guess she must have heard something in my voice because I said you were a student at. The, we won't get into what school it is, but I were a student at this school." And she said, "Beth, I just want you to know that you got a good education at Webster, the English department there." And she was pointing her finger at me, which is why <laughs> I'm pointing mine at you, because she she was the head of the English department, so of course she's going to feel this way. But she said the English department yeah. there it was just as good as the English department. At, at the school where you went to that at, I won't mention. At my school. Um, and, and she knew this because her son had gone there and he, he had the same, you know, and she'd seen the curriculum and she, you know, I don't know how she knew, but she knew. And that's a really important point to make. Every school has, you know, every good university has, has good teachers. You know, you don't get to be a teacher at a university and not being smart, not being oh, a yeah. good teacher. It, it, it's a hard thing to do. A friend of mine, her uh, son-in-law has, is working on getting tenure at, I want to say Cornell University and he's on sabbatical this year uh, and we were talking about it and she was like yeah it's a really cushy job and I said yeah but you know what it took a lot to get there and mm -hmm. he has to publish I mean there's there's a lot of yeah. stuff going on when you get tenure when you get sabbaticals it's so all of these these people who get to that point where they are teaching young minds they they've put a lot of of time into their education and even at a, at a public university you know university of missouri these are good schools and probably many of them have teachers who are just as good as the teachers at harvard is my whole point about this but yeah. harvard has a reputation so when you go to harvard you are paying for that reputation and for the contacts you get and that's what geller it's a geller name that's what paris is, is referencing it's for her it's all about the contacts she will make because of her last name <laughs> um yeah we i mean we, we don't we don't really have time to go into all of the issues with uh upper education in the united states but yeah. uh that's you know but we will that's probably some get, of them <laughs> we'll probably have more comments on it anyway we gotta get to yeah. the party <laughs> Yes, the fun party finally happens, and we know it's a fun party because Miss Patty is there. And the whole um, town is there because, again, the, the entire town comes to everything. That's their real family, or that's their other family. Uh, including Michelle. There is a single shot of Michelle looking miserable in a corner on oh, the I phone. Oh, I missed that. I'm glad you said yeah. that because I completely missed him. <laughs> Just a just a single shot, and uh, Suki made a case with uh, made a cake. Sorry, with Rory's face on it, mm -hmm. uh, and then we get Lorelai getting Rory uh, the extremely expensive uh, computer. It's a Mac, which right? I it's a it's a Mac. Yeah, yeah, it's a Mac. It says something else. It doesn't say. It says but iBook. Oh, um, does which, it? Which is not a thing. Yeah, which. 
Yeah, or I, I think it was a thing, but it was a different thing. It's an it's essentially an iMac, I think. Yeah, it's blue. Um, I mean, it's got that teal yeah. blue color that the big and this is like this is two thousand, right? Yeah. So it's uh it's a huge monitor is what we're seeing. Let me just make sure that it wasn't. I don't think iBook is was a thing uh, ever. And in fact, uh, I don't well, think... okay, it it was. Was um, it? Okay. It was it was a line of laptops. Sorry, when you look up iBook, the first thing that comes up is Apple Books, which is a different thing Mm -hmm. um but there there was such a thing as an iBook and it was a line of laptops the picture on the Wikipedia page uh doesn't oh okay if you scroll down there's another picture that looks a lot more like what Rory got oh hey I've got a price here it's introductory price at the time was $1,599 today that would be closer to 26,000 sorry yeah so yeah uh expensive expensive laptop I mean they've come down a lot in price but but my MacBook was a thousand dollars so and and this is 20 years later so yeah which like you know I I mean I will say this was at a time when we're we're right before the time when having a laptop is going to be a standard thing for For college yeah um, or for anybody yeah for, yeah. for most students is, yeah. is what I would say, which, yeah, I, and I say standard, which I, I don't mean to imply that it's an easy thing to have. No. It's not. It's still expensive. The fact of the matter is that we live in a world where it's increasingly expensive just to get by. Well, um, and actually, when you went away to college, and we've talked about this before, I was unemployed. You had mm-hmm. to spend your own money that summer to buy yourself a new computer. I and mean, your dad may have helped a little bit, too. Uh, right? Actually, that was, uh, it was mostly dad. Um, okay. That was his big combo graduation slash uh, 18th birthday present to me. Uh, a, a couple years later, when that laptop died, I had to get my own. But mm-hmm. yeah, the, the first laptop that I got was right before I left for college, and it was basically the biggest present that um, my dad ever got me. Anybody um, had ever gotten you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, it well, was, no, it was car. huge. Well, okay, I got yes. you a car. Yes. Yes, my mom got me a car after I graduated college, and that is the biggest the present biggest that gift, anyone's yes. ever gotten. <laughs> but yeah, but the, at the time that um, I got that laptop, it was a huge deal, and not it just for me, deal. you know. Yeah, not not just for those of us who did not have a lot of money. That that was kind of I'm a millennial, and I lived through that turning point from when almost no one had computers to each family would have like one shared computer right. to the current day where. You know, most people who are able to make a living in modern society have their own laptop. There was one period where my partner and I literally had, what was it? I think six computers in the house because we each had one for our work and one for our personal use. And I had not thrown away a computer that did not work anymore and I think he also had a computer like that yeah so you know it's but we are at the very beginning of that so at that time that would have been a crazy freaking present yeah so and it's not her senior year she's a junior yeah so if it had happened and it's not even the spring of her senior year you know Mm -hmm. right before college this is this is this is almost two years out, and computers last maybe four years, five years, laptops. Yeah. So this is one that's going to have to be replaced mid midway through college. So, yeah, yeah it's kind of crazy. But So she opens that up, and oh, oh, the, the big thing about the party, I think, also, is that Emily and Richard come. They attend. Yes, right, right, after, right after 
after they open this present, mm-hmm. um, someone knocks on the door, and Lorelai doesn't know who it is, so she, like, yells out, who's knocking at the door? Get your butts in here! Or possibly get your asses in here. I'm not sure which one she yeah. says. Um, and then nobody Emily knocks. And Richard... Nobody knocks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Emily and Richard walk in with absolutely stoic, solemn expressions on their face, and you can kind of see, if you're watching it on Netflix, you can see the, like fingerprints of television that cuts to commercials because there's just this awkward moment where they're standing silently in the doorway <laughs> in the doorway stares at them well and it, it occurred to me at that moment but then i forgot about it until it actually came up later on that this might be the actually actually the first time that they have come to her house they've never seen they, her home they say that they say it later on yeah. but it occurred to me in that moment i wonder if the first time this is the first time they've they also heard her comment it also made me think does, does nobody knock? Everybody just kind of walks in. But not mm-hmm. not Emily and Richard. They have to knock. So they come in. And the two things that Emily comments on, uh, well, first of all, she kind of acts like all is forgiven. Uh, but, yes. but the two things she comments on, one is on the food. And she's absolutely right. Suki is, yes. is, uh, is presented in the whole show as a top-notch chef. And Emily recognizes that immediately when she when she's... Uh, tries the food and then the way Luke looks at Lorelai she sees it immediately yeah so first of all Miss Patty comes over and immediately hits on Richard um, (laughs) and and introduces herself (laughs) as Patricia Uh, and then uh, yeah Suki tells Lorelai that that they have run out of ice and so Lorelai is on her way to leave the house to go get ice and then Luke walks in carrying two giant bags of ice and Lorelai runs over to hug him because he has not actually read her mind but knows that parties tend to run out of ice so he's shown up with ice yeah um and and emily oversees this moment and you can see on her face and she says to emily to lorelei later that she sees what the audience sees between the two of them that the two of them are still in denial about which is that they are interested in each other well i don't um, think luke is in denial about it. i think he yeah he's it's obvious in his face and that's what she sees but but lorelei is like huh He's just another man ogling me because I'm cute. And I think that's really her her attitude at this point. I mean, to be a little bit more generous, maybe she just thinks of him as like a guy who does a lot of nice things for her because he's secretly just a very nice guy. Yeah, um, could be. Uh, oh, yeah. And then we <laughs> we get a little scene of Richard hanging out on the porch where Rory brings him a magazine to entertain him and tells him that there's a test in there that will tell him if he's an autumn or a summer, I think. And he actually um, reads the whole magazine. It's, it's yeah, hilarious. So He's into it. He's, he's into, into it. it. It's yeah. something to read. Yeah, and then, so yeah, then Lorelai spies Emily sneaking upstairs and follows her upstairs. And that's kind of when we get the last big scene of the episode which is where emily tells her that luke looked at her like you were about to give him a lap dance is the line <laughs> um and lorelei kind of laughs it off but when she laughs it off emily's like you're pleased you're pleased that he looked at you like a porterhouse steak uh-huh, uh-huh. i think emily is totally right but mm-hmm. Lorelai does not. Uh, and then Emily picks up a picture of Lorelai in a cast. And Lorelai tells her, yeah, that's from when I broke my leg three years ago. Emily had no idea that she had broken this her leg. This is a very sad scene to me. Yes. But, but, but go ahead and explain it and then I'll, I'll comment. I mean, this is literally like, this is where I put my note 
Kelly Bishop is so good in this episode. Like, there's this kind of contrast between she's saying these pithy lines, but on her face, it's all vulnerability and a little bit of not exactly hurt, but just the, you know, the realization, as she will say to Richard in a moment, that she does not know her daughter at all. No. She and... has missed out on so much. And it's way past time, way past the time when she should have seen how her daughter lives. Why is it yes. 16 years before she comes to her home? She's re- she's missed out on a lot. And not only has she missed out on a lot, but their relationship has become so separate, so di- mm-hmm. divided, that her daughter didn't even tell her that she'd broken her leg. That's a pretty big deal. And yeah. she and Emily is sad when she realizes that. I cannot imagine you breaking your leg and not telling me for three years. I, you know, I can't. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine doing to my daughter what she did to hers. She rejected yeah. her. I mean, this is this is on Emily. She and I think she realizes this that by pushing her daughter away, she has missed a significant portion of, of her daughter's life, including a lot of really important events. She wasn't yes. there for Rory's birth. Uh, my mother was in the room when you were born, and that's a really wonderful and loving memory for me that Emily is doesn't Not have. Her. It's never and she will have. never have. She'll she, never she cannot no. go back. No. And this is a very sad scene for me. It's a realization. It's, but it's a very important scene because this is, it's kind of a turning point for her. And the whole episode has been a turning point because she wants to, at least I think she, she she's going to start trying to be more pudding-like. She's going to make more yes. pudding. She's, you know, she's going to try to, to reach out to them a little bit more. But then there's another scene that kind of turns this around. Because Lorelai is kind of in the same yes. situation. She, yeah. Go ahead. Um, well, okay, so just to go through the events uh, as they happen, Richard gives Rory even more money when they leave. <laughs> uh, and, and then in the car is when Emily says, she's right, I don't know my daughter at all. And Richard doesn't seem to know what to say. But after a moment, Emily says, the traffic, we've got to get going. So you can see that she's grappling with it, but she's still soldiering on. we got to get home. Uh, and then we get <laughs> really quick, but kind of gross recipe from Suki and Lorelai is complaining about having hosted the party and you know clean up and all that and says now we're gonna have to eat onion dip for a week and Suki immediately is like well you know if you mix the onion dip with ground turkey and garlic it isn't that bad and Lorelai's (laughs) response is hey I'm not looking for a recipe but I like I played it back and I was like is that even a recipe? Do you just, is that just a new version of the dip? I don't understand this recipe. I, you're just supposed to eat onion dip mixed with ground turkey. Okay, that sounds gross to me, but all it right. It does sound gross, yeah. Um, but, and that's happening while Lorelai is doing some dishes and just beyond the kitchen window, Rory and Dean are meeting up in secret for him to give her her birthday present, which is a little bracelet that he sort of made for her he found a medallion and yeah medallion medallion yeah and like put it on like a little leather strap Mm -hmm. um and he gives it to her and then they hold hands and Lorelai sees this moment which is very chaste but is very clearly romantic Mm -hmm. and you can kind of see we we end on her looking surprised she had no idea that Dean was enough of a figure in Rory's life that 
she would meet up with him. And and clearly Rory is keeping it a secret. As we said before, yeah. she's not even telling Lane. She is keeping it a secret. And it, it occurred to me that I wrote down that there are things that Lorelai does not know about her daughter. Uh, yes. And it's not like she's being super secretive. But Rory has her own life. And mm-hmm. I think in that moment Lorelai realizes again and she's she's realized this before and we've seen her we've seen her go through this before but there are constant reminders that Rory's growing up she has her own life and she's going to continue to have her own life going forward and there will be things in that life that, that she doesn't tell Lorelai Lorelai about not because she's going to be secretive just because there's just so much in a life that you that you don't tell people you know oh yeah. I had spinach for lunch today it, those are not the things uh, those are the things that a child tells her mother not a young woman so so because it's just yeah. not enough time in a day to tell your mother everything that's happened. And I think it's also because that is kind of a part of growing up, you know, a part mm-hmm. of becoming a teenager the separation. is figuring out, yeah, figuring out how to define yourself yeah. in a in a way that is separate from your parents, you yeah, know, your when, own when identity. you're a child. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, when when you're a child, you know, you kind of just absorb what your parents teach you and being a teenager being an adolescent is that process of figuring out what things you want to keep from that and what things you don't sometimes part of that process involves trying something completely different that your parents don't like at all and sometimes it involves keeping things a secret that you might not have previously kept a secret and I think in this case my my feeling is that Rory just doesn't really know how to feel about it yet and so mm-hmm. she isn't ready to tell to anyone. private. Because, yeah, she's kind of keeping it to herself mm-hmm. until she understands it better. And and what they're going through here, what Lorelai, the whole range of uh, emotions that's on her face when she looks out the window and all of these thoughts probably, you know, I think we're supposed to think all these thoughts occur to her. That is normal and healthy and it's what most healthy mother-daughter relationships, it's how they, how they progress. But what she had with her own mother was not normal and healthy. Yeah. And their separation their, uh, into different identities was more traumatic and happened for, you know, because she'd had a baby and she was rejected. It's just, it's a very different experience. This is normal and healthy. What her, what Emily did to, to, to Lorelai was not. And they have to heal that. And, they, and, yeah. and over the course of the seven years of the, of the show, they, they make great strides in healing that. But there has to be some relief for Lorelai at this point to know that what she and her daughter have is so much better, so much uh, more loving, so much healthier, and that going forward, her daughter will not have be ex- had to experience the hurt and the pain that Lorelai has had to experience. Yeah, I think she'll get there eventually, but I do think she, in this moment, I think that trauma is just still present with her. So yeah. there, I think there is an element of worrying that she will accidentally do the exact same thing that Emily did. Or and that that worry will get pregnant. <laughs> uh, yeah. And yeah, do the exact sure, same thing sure. that Lorelai did. Yeah. And she, and she said we, this we, before. She has said this in yeah, earlier exactly. episodes. You're me. You're going to get pregnant. And we know that she's not. And we can tell that this is not, that is not going to happen here. Rory is a different person. She is, she's not, well, for one thing, Lorelai, one of the reasons Lorelai was probably being sexually active at an early age was a reaction to her parents. 
appearance and their rigidity. Yeah. And Rory doesn't have that rigidity to, to, to bounce off of. And plus, she's a, just a different, uh, she's a calmer person. She's more reserved. You, you can see that she's not going to, she is focused on Harvard, man. She is not going to give up Harvard. Yeah. Also, the specific thing that Lorelai sees is them holding hands. Hands, which is sweet <laughs> like, and yeah. innocent. Innocent, yeah. So that brings us to the end of the episode. Yep. Uh, sure any does. final thoughts? This episode was not as dynamic as the other episodes have been up till now, but at the same time, it was it was a really important episode. Yep. And I remember halfway through it thinking, eh, I hope this picks up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but but then at the end, I, I thought there were some really uh, emotional scenes in here, some really important scenes. And at the end, I remember thinking, this is a damn good show. <laughs> this is a really good show. So what about you? Yeah, I do think this episode kind of dialed down the usual humor in exchange for layered emotional moments. Yeah. And I think Kelly Bishop is the star of this episode. She, it was her episode. Yeah, it was her. Yeah. It was her story to tell. Well, so that, dear listeners, is all for today. Yes, I'm Tessa Dare. You can find me at my website, tessadare.com, which is T E S S A D A I R dot com where you can sign up for my email list or you can follow me on instagram at author.tess.adair or on twitter at author.tessadair all one word and i'm beth von baron you can find me on instagram at stl underscore writer underscore beth this has been where you lead our brilliant and fun new podcast about the Gilmore Girls from the perspective of a mother and daughter. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll tune in for our next episode in two weeks. See you then. Yep, see you then.